Bible class, so if you'll come on in and find your place, and we'll start in just a minute as soon as Luther decides to, oh, I'm just kidding, don't look at me in that tone of voice, I understand, <laughs> you know, blaming it on JT is usually pretty good defense, <laughs> it is very good to see all of you here tonight, and thank you so much for your encouragement and for your service. Thank you for being in Bible class. Uh, this is actually the last class of this particular series. I will be out of town um, for the next couple of Wednesdays, uh, if the Lord wills for me to do the things that I have planned. Uh, Brother Jim will teach next Wednesday night, and Brother Todd Sweeney will teach on the 28th. And then the following uh, week, the new quarter begins uh, so we'll have uh, brother, brother Ken will be teaching the class that he's teaching in the Annex on Wednesday night in here. Uh, and then I'll be teaching this series in the Annex. So, um, but on that particular first Wednesday, I think it's the fourth, Wiley Dean will be here. And we'll all be in here for that period of singing for that particular Wednesday night. 
As we begin, I want us to have uh, plenty of time to go through the things that I want us to do because we've been moving to this lesson. Everything, you know, uh, in some uh, curriculum designs or lesson designs, one of the, the objects, uh, they, they call it a culminating project or this product that you're building to this whole time that hopefully will make it all make sense and tie it together and then give it some application. That's been my mindset, at least, in our study. We've looked at Scripture um, throughout every lesson, thinking about sharing the gospel of Christ. We could not say it any clearer. We could not say it any more strongly or plainly than the way Paul did in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17. When he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it is, the, for in it is found the faith, for therein is the faith. That didn't sound right. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith to faith. For in the gospel is where we find, that didn't sound right. Did I, what did I miss? Oh, I know. For therein is found the righteousness of God. I knew that didn't sound right. For therein is found the righteousness of God. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Uh, see, y'all are really, y'all are such a good class. You never say anything when I mess up. But some of you cannot keep it off your face. Some of you are going... So I knew it was wrong. Okay. The gospel is God's way, his message, his tool by which we contact the blood of Christ and we get into Christ and we understand what it means to be a child of God and live. And because of that, a part of that is my responsibility to take what I have been given what I have obeyed, what is what God has done in me, for me, and through me, and share it with somebody else. That's not an option. And that's what I hope we, we bring down to a culminating point tonight so that you will not only be encouraged to do that, motivated to do that, but you'll feel like you're empowered to do that. And maybe I haven't done a very good job of accomplishing that goal, but I know these studies will. Let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the many blessings that you give us. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for all of the good things that are ours because of you through your Son. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your church, the body of Christ, for your truth, especially the salvation the saving gospel of Christ. And Father, as we study ways that we can teach that, share that, show that, preach that to other souls, may we have within us a burning desire that we cannot stop to want to be that kind of servant. In your son's name, amen. Okay, as we look at our lesson tonight, uh, a very quick review. The three of components of effective personal evangelism, of being effective at sharing the gospel with somebody else, understanding 
knowledge, effort. I am deliberately not going to go in great detail for the review. We've done that several times. But that effort part, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Uh, we are God's, uh, that's James 1.22. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Two good works or four good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's God's intention that we be about the business of working in the kingdom. Okay, so what do I need to do when it comes to this topic, this subject? What do I need to do? That is to say, what are some ways that I, yes, me, you, yes, you, can personally share the gospel message to others? I want to make sure that this disseminates out in a way that you realize that not only is it a command and a responsibility, but it is an opportunity and a possibility for you to be a part of this part, of this element, segment of the kingdom. So what can I do? And so there are four categories. We began these two last week. So I want to go through them very quickly and then begin to be a little practical. There are four categories or ways that I think that I can find, truthfully, hopefully more than one, that I can find a place where I can serve. Number one, I can be actively involved in teaching someone the truth. Yes, I can be that person who says, will you study the Bible with me? Can you and I have a Bible study? Can JT and I come over and talk to you from the Word of God? Now, I want you to let these... When I say some of the things that I'm saying tonight that you might say to somebody else, I want you to let those words ring in your head and taste how they would taste. What would they taste like coming out of your mouth? Can you imagine yourself saying to someone else, a co-worker, can you and I study the Bible together? Maybe that's you. Maybe that's not you. How about number two? I can be involved in connecting someone to another who will teach him or her the truth. Being a connector, and I want to dwell a little bit here because last week we didn't get an opportunity. We, we've got the verses. We've been through the verses. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go and make disciples. That's a process. There's teaching involved. There's all kinds of teaching involved. I wish I had an opportunity. If, we were, if I were going to be here next week, I, I think I know what the lesson would be. An opportunity to how to take Acts 8 and teach someone the truth. Straight from zero to obedience. Because I believe you can do that with that particular passage where Philip encounters the Ethiopian man on the road. But connecting someone, maybe I'm not quite there. Maybe it's just not in my personality. Um, I, Lord willing, in two weeks, I go to Maywood. Some of you have been before. Uh, anybody grow up in Maywood in here? You know, got a few. And anybody ever been to Maywood before? Okay. If you ever go to Maywood, it, it, here's how it is. This is what I tell counselors. This is the way with kids. It's the way with adults. You either love being a, at Maywood camp or you don't. And that's okay. I used to couldn't figure out why people wouldn't like it. But that's okay. Some people are natural born. Christian camp is, is the, 
I couldn't couldn't dream of not doing it. And there are others who are absolutely great people, but they just can't do that. And that's okay. We all have places. Maybe sitting across from someone and being that one who does the talking, I just don't... Okay. But can you connect someone? I asked you a question at the end of last week's lesson. Are you willing to make a list of family and friends that you would share with someone else and say, would you make contact with these people? Would you begin to make contact with them? Now, and let me say this gently. If when I ask those questions, if those, if those questions sound foreign to you, if it sounds somehow uncomfortable or odd that we would do something like that, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to be offended. Not certainly being judgmental. I understand. I get it. And I heard something just a few minutes ago in Walmart that I'm going to share at the end of this lesson that is a mentality that I, I realized was in the world, but I've forgotten how pervasive it was that maybe has pervaded our own thought process. But the very thought of connecting someone Inviting someone to come with you to worship. And then doing it in a way that you make it something they want to do again. You you introduce them to somebody else. You introduce them to other people who are so friendly to them they can't imagine not coming back. And then the ball is rolling. You connect someone that you have no idea that they are ever going to. You know, we were talking about camp just a moment ago. Um, I hope I get an opportunity to talk to the um, mission committee about, I've I've asked to be put on their uh, meeting uh, down the road, about Maywood, because there's so many. How many of you would say one of your concerns about this generation of young people growing up is there, there just aren't enough godly, men, young men, for our young ladies to find and fall in love with. And there, amen. And there aren't enough godly women for our young men. You agree with that, right? But yet sometimes if we're not careful, and again, nothing is meant judgmental. Don't get mad at me and say, boy, he was stepping. No, he wasn't. But we have to, to find sometimes... Um, and I, please don't forget, please forgive me. I don't mean to be crass. This is not something meant to be ugly, but I remember a, an encounter. It wasn't me, but it's a good friend of mine who is my co-director. Um, uh, a young lady who was a camper and then on staff many years ago, a long time ago. You don't know her. That encountered her at a ballpark sitting against a fence with her legs propped up with shorts that were way south of the border. And, may, and said the words, I really wish I could find a good Christian man. You can't fish in a cesspool and catch bass. I don't understand that principle, right? So with that said, here's the, you, you may be thinking, what in the world is he even talking about? This is that we cannot keep them sheltered 
in the confines of our youth group, and then the only time they meet other people, because look, I don't mean this ugly, but 99% of the time in our own youth group, they're not going to marry each other. Not usually. So they need to meet others. They need to meet others where they're going to meet them. They need to meet others who are godly, who are like them. You wouldn't believe how many people have met at Maywood when they were eight and ended up marrying and are still faithful to God today. Now, we don't do that on purpose, you know, uh, but it just seems to happen that way. So my point in all of that was in our efforts to serve God, God uses us in those situations to connect people that need to be connected. There are people who will make an influence or who will make a, a friendship or a connection or bond with an individual who will allow themselves to be taught the gospel. But in, as time unrolls, there is a missing spot between that person and the person who would teach them. And that spot is you, that connection. And I hopefully we'll tie that up in just a minute uh, with, a, with a verse. But I can connect someone. But let's, let's move on. I don't want to run out of time tonight. I can be involved in the process. These are the two I want to dwell on. In the process of sowing the seed of the gospel, I can be involved in the process of planting the seed of the gospel. Now, you may be scratching your head and saying, now, are you just trying to be cute? That's why I put in parentheses. One is general, one is specific. Luke 8, 11 says very clearly, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So we know that when we talk about sowing the seed, we're talking about the gospel. Okay, sowing, when we read our Bibles, our English Bibles, and we see Jesus said, behold, a, a, a sower went out to sow. A man went out and sowed seed in his garden or in his field. We think plant. Why? Because we are Americans. We are Southerners. We planted Okay, how many of you have ever planted a garden? Anybody ever have a grandfather uh, uh, fuss at you because when he looked down the corn row, he looked back at you, said, you planted this row, didn't you? Y'all know what was wrong with that row too, don't you? Yes, it was. Uh, I thought it was kind of pretty, but uh, he didn't. He said he made it hard to plow. And he was right. We know about planting, you know, plant a seed, plant a seed, plant a seed, deliberate. Nothing wrong with that. But sowing, what did a person do? Anybody ever sowed mustard seed? Did that one time. Anybody ever sowed fertilize? What do you do when you... We don't say sow, actually. We say stroh. Yeah, stroh fertilize. What do you do? You take a handful and you do what? You sling it. That's right. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny here, but the sower of the seed, they didn't plant rows. They broadcast we're broadcasting that seed. Now, when I say that, the process of sowing the seed, can I, can I become involved in the business of evangelizing others, of teaching others the lost, indirectly, by seed sowing? By, in other words, I look for opportunities to put the seed out there. I have no idea with whom it will come into contact. I have no idea, but I put it out there anyway. Now, if you are thinking, if, you, if the thought has crossed your mind, 
but sir, I don't want to look like those fanatical folks that kind of, careful, be careful that Satan doesn't whisper in your ear something that is detrimental. No, I don't want you to be like those folks who go out there and stick uh, information on every street corner. Why? Because that information contains things that are not truth. But because of that, we don't want to be like that. So we, if we're not careful, we want to run all the way to the other side. And we're out of balance again. There are ways that you and I, Brother Ken talked about tracks. Uh, Luther talked about putting tracks uh, with every set of gourds that you sold. Is that right? Or gave or, okay. Every gourd customer. And there are, there are good folks who would think, that, come on, Luther, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? I mean, then nobody going to read them. Shame on me if I think that. Shame on me if I think that. Now you say, well, what if, okay, preacher, what if the church paid 50 bucks, 35 bucks for 100 tracks? And Luther gave them all out, and I found all hundred of them in the garbage can. What do you say about that? I say God was glorified because Luther sowed the seed. That's what I say. Yes, ma'am. Kind of look at people and say, oh, they're a good prospect. Versus people that uh, they won't ever listen. And that's not for us to decide. That's for God to decide. Absolutely. Uh, Sister Nita said, sometimes when we look at people, do we say, hey, that's a good prospect? Or do we say, they probably won't. They probably won't. That's not for us to decide. And I totally agree with that. Seed sowing means that I look for places that I can. Uh, I can. Anybody ever been to a doctor's office? Anybody ever picked up a magazine in a doctor's office that somebody donated and read it? What would be wrong with dropping a house-to-house, heart-to-heart on that same table? Nothing. Be drop, uh, to drop uh, a piece of literature inside one of those magazines? Nothing. What are they going to do? Tell you not to? Okay. If they tell me not to, I promise I will never do it again. But they're not going to tell me not to until I do it the first time. Go in and say... May I leave these on your table? All they can say is no. But they will not say no until you ask. So sowing the seed. When you mail out things that you mail out, writing some message. Yes, ma'am. So she put that in her newsletter. 
Okay. What Sister Marilyn was talking about was uh, the Bible correspondences, correspondence courses that w- that we do, that we have here. We and if you're ten years out of the loop of correspondence courses, we used to have one, one, one set. Now there's many sets, uh, and they're all fabulous. But there's a newsletter that wasn't affiliated with the church that became aware and asked Miss Marilyn can. Uh, hey, you send out to air mailing, but wanted them to show an interest. So put a- advertisement for this congregation's correspondence course in a newsletter from some group that goes to, out to prisons, and we're getting responses from that. That's sowing the seed. That's sowing the seed. I encourage you to be a part of the Bible correspondence program here at Boonville. You don't have time to come in and be a part of what the other... Take the correspondence courses. Take the correspondence courses and begin your own efforts with them. You don't even have to buy them. Tell me how many you need and I'll get them for you. I'm serious. You tell me what you want. And there, I can show you where they're at. And I can get you all you need. I dare you. That's sowing the seed. Okay, I can be involved in the process of planting the seed of the gospel. Now, planting is a little more deliberate. I have made a deliberate effort. And I want, I want, I want us to think about just for a second here, uh, something that someone, and I won't call a name, but said to me uh, just uh, the other day. Let me check my time here. That someone said to me the other day, uh, they were, this individual was talking about a family member. It doesn't have to be a family member, but talking about someone about whom they were concerned who lived in another place. Now, they were in the process, okay, let me, how do I say this gently, um, kindly? I, I know it's true for my own personal life. Do any of you just nod your head or raise your hand? Please do not call any names. I have to tell my high school students not to tell the whole story because they will. Okay, uh, yeah, that'll tell you more than you ever wanted to know. How many of you have ever experienced or have family members right now that you would absolutely give anything for the gospel to touch their heart and them to come back to the Lord or obey the gospel, but you know you are the last person on planet Earth that can say anything because they will close the door on you in a heartbeat because you're too close. Anybody? There's one. Okay, now, this individual was talking about doing something else. I'd never thought about that. That's evangelism. That's working on, this individual was talking about someone, a family member who lived in another place. Guess what they've been doing? Doing some research, locating a congregation of God's people near that person. Cultivating a relationship with the minister there, with the people there. For the purpose of what? Making an effort to reach out with the truth to that person. That's evangelism. We have to get out of the, uh, what are those things you put on horses? Blinders. We have to get out of the blinder mentality that evangelism means that I have to knock on somebody's door and show them film strips. 
Now that was one way and an effective way many years ago. But we don't live in that world anymore. People walk up uh, and you knock on their door and one out of uh, quite a few will answer. Most of them will ignore you and others run you off. Because we live in a different world. So therefore we can't evangelize anymore. Absolutely not. There has to be other ways. And so we begin to look for something we can do. And that's just a few. But I want to end, I want us to, to change gears so I've got enough time here. I want to consider an analogy. No, wait a minute. Before I do that, though, turn to Matthew 25 and verse 26. Matthew 25 and verse 26. What I hope you do tonight, what I'm challenging you to do tonight. Now, you may say that's easy because I can write on the piece of paper that you're about to challenge me with what I'm already doing. Fabulous. I challenge every child of God in this room. I don't care what your name is. And by the way, I'm starting with myself. I challenge you to take a piece of paper and write on that piece of paper things that you can do that you're already doing or that you can begin to do that falls into the category of teaching someone the truth, connecting someone to someone else who will teach them the truth. That involves the process of sowing the seed generally or Planting it specifically with a, with a person in mind. Making an effort. Person in mind. Now, I'm going to say something here. I don't like pers a lot of personal illustrations. And I have to, I think we're going out live stream, so I'm not going to use any names. But there is one particular individual to whom I am very... Uh, that I care a great deal about, that I send a text message on a regular basis. As of today, he hasn't answered me. But God willing, I'm going to keep doing it. Because I know the seed works. You know how I know? Because next to my mother's house was a what we called a holler. Y'all know what a holler is, right? Uh, and then a piece of property on the other side. For years upon years upon years, when my granddaddy lived there and then my mom lived there, when we had a watermelon, you know what we do with the rind? To let the hull, take it out there and throw it in the woods. You ever done that? Absolutely. Years. And then, mom had all that land cut. And it was just dirt. This is true, I'm not making this up. And came out and sent me a picture, said, I want you to see this. Down that hillside were watermelons growing out of the ground. And they became huge watermelons. They were not planted. Those were some of the best watermelons I'd ever eaten. Where'd that seed come from? They'd been thrown out there years ago and had lain under those leaves, dormant until the opportunity rose. So we can't quit. Okay, Matthew 25 and verse number uh, 26. Somebody read that. Please. All right, where's Rick? 
Oh, he's not here. Okay. Stop, Kevin. Read 25. I can't read my own writing. Read 25. My bad. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there. You have what is yours. I want you to look at that passage. We talked about that. Y'all keep looking at it. Don't close it yet. How many of you look in your Bibles and see, do you see that the word there, T-H-E-R-E, and the word what is before yours, that those are in italics? Notice that? How'd your head? Anybody? Okay. You know why they're in italics? Because they're not in the original text. That doesn't mean this is a missed scripture. Those English words are put there to finish out the English sentence so that it doesn't sound awkward in English. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. But in the original Greek, what it literally says is that, look, uh, you have yours. You have yours. So I was afraid and I went and hid the talent. Look, you have yours. I am pleading with you to consider this. I want you to think about how horrible it might be, it will be, to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, when, and being asked, why, tell me, we have a problem because not one time did you ever reach out to someone else with the truth. Well, yeah, but I, I was in every service. I was Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was there on Wednesday night. I didn't do anything bad. Look, I don't smoke. I don't do, you know, I, I'm faithful to my wife. I don't do. In other words, I'm saying I was afraid to make that list of family members because I didn't want to cause a problem. I was afraid to ask someone, can I study the Bible with you? Or can Stephen come study the Bible with you? Because I was afraid they'd say no, or get mad at me, or make it awkward at work. I was afraid. But you've got me. Here's yours. You saved me with the truth, and I, here's my soul. But it wasn't good enough. It wasn't acceptable. So that's something to think about. I want you to think about an analogy. An analogy is a comparison. Turn to Mark 1.17. Well, it's on the board. But there on this occasion, Jesus came and he said to a group of men, they had had some encounters with Jesus. They had been spending some time with Jesus. They were disciples of John the Baptist. They were in the process of, of becoming his disciples. And Jesus said to them here, I want you to, to look at the wording first. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. I think that's important because sometimes when we quote that verse, we don't quote it properly. Jesus wants us to be fishers of men. Well, that's a true statement. But Jesus said, come and you'll be fishers of men. That's not what he said. He said, I will make you become fishers of men. What's the inference there? That it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some time. It's, going, it's a process. It's not something that happens immediately. It's not something that happens overnight. 
How many of you here love to fish but haven't been fishing in over a year? Now, you'd love to catch catfish or bass or crappie. But as long as that rod and reel stays propped in that corner, you won't catch a single one. Did Jesus compare teaching the gospel, saving souls with the gospel, and therefore men and women becoming disciples through the gospel, did he compare that to fishing? Yes, did he? Well, if they're going to be fishers of men, then there's a fishing analogy, right? So with that in mind, and you may say, okay, everything was great until you got to that last part. It didn't make any sense to me. I, I hope it's not that bad. If teaching the lost, sharing the gospel with the lost is compared to fishing, what lessons can I learn? What skills do I need? What's involved in the process? I don't think it, Jesus didn't have to say. He, it wouldn't be recorded for us if it wasn't important to us that I will make you to become fishers of men. There, there's a comparison there that from which I can learn. Might help me. First of all, fishing requires preparation. Preparation. I've known a lot of, I have known a lot of young uh, teenage boys to want to go fishing. So they throw stuff in the back of the truck and they get down there and, and they go to fish. And uh, first thing somebody hangs up, guess what's not, no, there are no, no more hooks in the tackle box. So fishing's over. Or we get down there, uh, and I haven't changed my line in seven or eight years, but I go fishing in Uncle John's uh, lake where I'm, he says the smallest one's been caught is 10 pounds. And then I come home all puffed up because my line broke. It's my fault. It requires some preparation. What do you mean preparation? Well, if I plan to go fishing, if I plan to go out and catch fish to eat or for a living, then I'm going to have to figure out Okay, where am I fishing? What's involved in that? What do I need to bring with me? What do I need to do to be prepared to go out there and to fish? And you're thinking, what's that got to do with anything? Well, a friend of mine took me trout fishing, only been one time, in the mountains of Tennessee, out from Sevierville. Uh, don't know how cold mountain water is. Cold. So you don't go in flip-flops and sandals, do you? Uh, you? You prepare yourself for the environment in which you're going to be, and you prepare yourself for the fish you're trying to catch. You get the right... That's a simple analogy. I make some preparation. But number two, it requires some patience. Some patience. Here's something I think that we need to benefit from. If I talk to someone about the gospel of Christ, everybody listen to me before we run out of time. If you ask someone, can I study the Bible with you? And they say, no, I'm not interested. Do not go home thinking that you have failed. Because where in fact, what you might have done is you got that person. They told me, no, what do you mean I didn't fail? But you made them say no. You made them choose, no, I do not want to study the Bible. And then the next time someone asks them, that weighs on them. You may ask them 10 times and they say yes the 10th time because it took 10 swipes 
with the hammer of the Word of God, the book of Jeremiah, to break through that shell they'd built. It takes patience. One of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, anybody know what a cane pole is? Fishing with a cane pole? Anybody want any cane? I've got a lot in my yard I'd be glad to give you. Okay. Um, made the mistake of cutting a lot down last summer. It, it grows back three times thicker than it was to begin with. But I saw something that if you don't get anything else out of this, I used to fish in my um, uncle's pond and there was a man who lived on his property. Uh, he was the sweetest old man. But he came down one day to fish. I was fishing, you know, I had my fancy rod and reel and I'd throw out there and I'd sit and it wouldn't, you know, I'd move it and I'd sit. He came and with a cane pole and I'll never forget that he couldn't stand up straight anyway. He was old. I'm not trying to make fun of him, but he came over with his cane pole. He baited it, long pole, and put it out there. It stood like this. And he watched that court. And folks, for 45 minutes, I kid you not, he was stood just like that and watched that court. And by that time, I had moved my line four times. And I'm laughing. Never moved. And then all of a sudden, he pulls this huge catfish out, grins at me, and walks back to his house. He is the epitome of patience. Patience. I couldn't stand that. I can't stand. I can't sit in one place that long, let alone stand there like that. Sometimes it takes a while for the gospel to sink into someone's heart. If I give up before the gospel reaches their heart, what in the world am I going to do? Okay, and I'm going to give you the last two, and then we'll stop there as the classes will begin to, to come in. But it requires perspective, and it proper perspective and perseverance. I have to keep coming back and not giving up. When I said perspective... I had professionalism the first time, but I didn't think that really said what I wanted it to. The proper perspective, I have to know what it is that I'm wanting to accomplish when I go about this and be serious about it. But uh, our time is uh, running out. So we'll stop there and I pray. If any of you decide, if any of you want, I have every one of these PowerPoints, all 11 lessons, uh, I would be honored to print you a copy or email you a digital copy if you'd like to have that on paper. But I appreciate your study, and I hope that it has been beneficial to you. Let's end with a prayer. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be your children. May we have a desire in our hearts to teach others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, folks will be coming in for the devotional.
If you will, be making your way on in. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to uh, mark in your songbooks the invitation song at this time. Mark the invitation song, which will be 948. 948. <clears throat> I am resolved. When you get that done, turn your book back to number two. Number two. <clears throat> this will be the first song. We praise thee, O God, or revive us again. Everybody, what you want to say. <clears throat> That's all, sing. We praise thee, O God, O Son of my love, O Jesus, In verse number 10, we read these words. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Number one, be still. Stop talking. Switch off your phone. Stop posting. Stop commenting. Stop arguing. Stop moaning. Stop complaining. Listen. And know. And know. Stop doubting. Be sure. Have faith. No second opinion. Confidently obey. Be still and know that I am God. God is almighty. God is in control. God is love. God is king. God is my hope. My rock. My fortress. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. God is my Father. God is my Shepherd. He will lead me. He will nourish me. He will protect me. And He will restore me. Tonight as we sing this invitation song, can you say that I know that God is my God? If you need to respond to Heaven's invitation, we sing this song to encourage you while we stand and while we sing. I am resolved
Good evening. Hope everyone's had a great week so far and uh, we're halfway done with it. I do have a few announcements and then we'll close with prayer. Uh, we need to remember in prayer, Brenda Taylor is at home following knee surgery. David Yates uh, is in Oxford. Raver Stevens is in the local hospital. And Lynn Floyd is at home in Boonville. We need to remember all of them in prayer. Also, we've been asked to remember Nathan Hale. This is the preacher at 2nd Street in Belmont. He had a serious eye surgery today. Those going on the Ark Encounter rafting trip this weekend will leave from the tack at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. And if your child needs to ride the bus to Maywood Camp Week 8, Either there or back home, you need to sign the sheet in the foyer. Also, homemade desserts are needed for camp. Please see the bulletin for details of this need. Uh, Salt Team 1 will have a bowling night this Sunday evening at Plaza Lanes in Corinth from 6.30 to 8. Please let Cassie Foster know if your family plans to attend in order to reserve enough lanes. Even if you don't want to bowl, all Team 1 members are encouraged to come for a fun, of time, uh, for a fun time of fellowship. If you'll bow with me, we'll close in prayer. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for all the many blessings of life. And God, we just ask you to give us strength when we are weak, to give us faith when we doubt. And we know that we are imperfect people, but we know we serve a perfect God. Please renew our hearts and our minds and give us strength to do your will each day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.